Hi and welcome back to another episode of Mind Mining from MPMS. Today I have Dr. Pallavi Vyas with me who is a human resource management professor at CMS Business School, Jain University, Bangalore. Um, her expertise lies in organizational behavior, learning and development and research. So without further ado, before we start on with the podcast and with the questions that I have in my mind, uh, before that I would like to know that how you are doing and how is everything going on? Yes, Simon. Thank you so much, Simon. Uh, I'm doing very well and everything is going on well. Uh, I mean, as you know, uh, the students of the final year batch are not around. The new students have come in into the campus. So it's good interacting with them. It's a new, fresh batch of students. So it's going good there. And personally, also, I'm doing well. All right. Amazing. Yeah. I'm certainly even, uh, I guess, our classes also, also start soon and hope to catch up with everybody. I mean, with the juniors as well. So uh, yeah. uh, moving on, ma'am. So let's just start off with the actual discussion here. As you are my uh, HR teacher and as you are in the field of organizational behavior and HR. So the first thing that I would like to uh, know is like, uh, how do we like even differentiate between, uh, you know, human resource and organizational behavior? I am aware of the idea that uh, uh, organizational behavior is a part of human resource or with part of some strategic uh, planning. Uh, I would just like to hear uh, your take on this now. Yeah, all right, Simon. So uh, first of all, if I talk about organizational behavior, now I would like to just make a little correction there. Uh, when we teach OB in college or uh, in BBA or an MBA, we do teach OBA, OB as a part of HRM because you know that is how the courses are designed. We believe that it's an HR faculty who understands what is human resource management, who understands people. And that's how we teach OB as a part of the human resource management department or the area in any institution, in any of the colleges, wherever you do your MBA from, that is how the format is that OB is taught in that way. But if I talk about the application of organizational behavior, we should just keep OB separate from HRM in terms of OB is for everybody. Whether you are from the human resource management function, whether you are from the operations function or you are from the finance function dealing only with money, OB is for everybody because OB ultimately influences your work-related behaviors, your individual attitude, your working in groups, in teams, the way organizations are structured and designed, how all of these things impact your workplace behaviors. That is what organizational behavior is all about. So as uh, you must have studied in OB in your uh, classes uh, during your first semester, you must have studied that OB is all about individuals, OB is about teams, OB is about uh, organization as a whole. So basically we try to understand how all of these together have an impact on an employee's behavior. How does an employee uh, project his personality at the workplace? And individual's perceptions, how does that affect his uh, behavior at the workplace or how he interacts with others in the team? Okay. What way communication between people impacts their, uh, you know, working or their performance? What motivates individuals? So OB, we should not say that it's a part of HRM per se. HRM is absolutely a, a functional role, right? It's a function in the organization which is concerned with people management. But for that people management, it makes sense if we understand psychology of people and if we understand the role play of all of these different actors, as in the individual, the teams, the organization structure. So that is why we teach OB as a part of HRM. But then 
I would rather say that HRM is a function in the organization and OB is something which every manager sh should understand so that they can be very effective at manage, managing their own workplace behaviors as well as managing their teams as a whole. Certainly, right. ma'am. Now, this clarifies a lot of uh, uh, the uh, idea about HRM and OB for me. And so basically human resource, uh, the HR, there's an entire department from it and it will have a different functionality. However, the OB is completely applicable to each and every employee working at that organization. I suppose that's the uh, uh, gist of it. And uh, yes. uh, so, so, so ma'am, so basically since these two uh, things are like uh, uh, human resource, uh, the HR department and the organization behavior, so as the HR department looks into the people and their performance and uh, tries, mm -hmm. out to, tries to sort out, uh, uh, you know, uh, human relations, would the organization behavior be impacted through that? I mean, like, suppose uh, the HR department is handling a, a, a highly critical case uh, uh, with regards to any uh, organization. And will that uh, a case, uh, you know, uh, reversely uh, uh, impact the entire organization and their behavior? Or, or their opinion towards something, ma'am? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, see, when we talk about people and people-related issues, that's where HR comes into picture. So whenever you have any people-related concerns, any conflicts in the organization, or anything which has got to do with your human resource, with your human asset, the HR department takes control of all mm. of those concerns. And definitely, wherever you have people involved, it makes sense to understand organizational behavior. So when we say organization behavior, it means that if there is a conflict between individuals or if there is one individual who is at some fault or at some problem, we need to first understand what led to that problem. What is the root cause of that conflict? So that is where the organization behavior has to be understood. So the dynamics that play with regards to power and politics in the organization, with regards to personality differences, with regards to how do we perceive other individuals, with regards to how some communication may have gone wrong, so that is where the organizational behavior dynamics play a role. So for understanding the situation, if we understand the dynamics of all of these aspects, that why you know teams uh, have sometimes problems, why is it that uh, you know uh, groups are not able to work cohesively with each other? So when we understand these basic aspects of organizational behavior, we are better able to understand that problem or the issue with regards to which that conflict has happened. Absolutely. And trust me. Yes, uh, the the managers who are able to understand the interplay of all of these dynamics, they are the ones who are able to make very successful decisions. So basically, uh, one of the Gallup uh, studies, it shows that 82 to 85% of the times managers make faulty decisions because they don't understand organizational behavior, because they don't understand the psychology of people. So most of the decisions that we take, whether it is with regards to promoting people, whether it is rega regards to hiring decisions, selection decisions, most of the times we make errors at fitting in the wrong person in the wrong job. Why? Because we have we are unable to understand their personalities and where do those personalities fit in into the organization? What kind of roles will they be fitting in? So if we understood OB and the implication of uh, individuals' personality, psychology, sociology, all of these different aspects, if we understand them very well, we would be able to make better decisions with regards to people. Certainly, right. I'm absolutely yeah. right. And uh, yes, I mean, the, uh, the idea that, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
the uh, managers has to understand each and every aspects of organizational behavior is it highly important for them to uh, you know uh, uh, climb up the ladder and be successful uh, so which brings me to another uh, a thought here ma'am that uh, uh, most of the uh, organizations have teams right and uh, mm-hmm. in teams people will have different mentality different culture ba- background and different thought processes uh, going on now how do we as a organization how would uh, how would uh, the organization increase its uh, uh, you know productivity and uh, uh, maintain a good uh, team collaboration how, how do usually organizations do that now? see so if we talk about uh, let's say team collaboration first so if we talk about how do we bring about collaboration between teams now like i just mentioned sometime back that if we understand people's individual personalities their attitudes towards work if we understand what motivates individuals we can accordingly bring the right kind of harmony amongst the team members so as a manager it becomes your responsibility to understand how my individual members in the team how they are different from each other what is the uh, thing that motivates each one of them what is it that drives different people so that you can bring in those dynamics within the team and motivate each one of those individuals differently so you need to first of all understand their psychologies you need to understand their skill sets you need to understand who's competent at what you need to understand their individual preferences and behaviors so that you can then accordingly bring about the right kind of communication between your team members you can accordingly make each one of them understand that how all of them are different yet each one of them has certain strengths which can become fruitful for the entire team as a whole so you as a manager you can bring about a lot of you know positivity within your team members by first of all clarifying roles to each one of the team members so like i said when you understand individual members strengths when you understand their uh, you know motives their drives you can accordingly clarify roles which will be suited to them based on what are their likings and based on what is it that they are good at and then accordingly you try to celebrate that individuality so celebrating that individuality means that you recognize those individual efforts and make sure that everybody in the team understands what is it that the other members are doing what is it that they are contributing how can we make use of each one of the individual strengths and how can we bring it to use to the entire team's goals all right and then you create good good communication channels within the team members you create group problem solving wherein you know people as a group are collaborating are communicating with each other so try and reduce conflict as much as possible and how you can do that first of all you yourself has to be a model of that behavior all right so rather than just talking about expectations that you have out of others you create that kind of a behavior within your own self right so creating uh, you know integrity and accountability within yourself which you want to see in your team ultimately all right so kind of bringing about that positive environment within the team and making sure that you know you as a leader are uh, very positive about what you do what you uh, expect your team members to do so that's how you can bring about collaboration within your team members all right uh, so and if you talk about uh yes ma'am uh, sorry to interrupt again Uh, so basically the uh, the way i want to see my team has to be first reflected on how uh, how i am and how uh, what my vision is for the team should be self reflective like basically is that what you like 
Okay, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That that makes Absolutely. a lot of sense. And, and again, it probably revolves back to again the OB concepts where uh, a, a person's individuality and his leadership drives the entire team. And exactly. uh, uh, yes, ma'am. This makes a lot of sense. And uh, you know, sometimes, uh, especially for a working professional, right? Uh, sometimes. uh there will be work pressure there will be quite a lot of things that you have to achieve there will be targets now w- when a person goes through those kind of situation day in and day out or five days a week and you just get two days of holiday and how do how, how does uh in, anybody try to like figure out a perfect balance between these two because uh, sometimes what happens is that uh, uh, most of the organization i seen the managers they will be so much involved uh, with their work that they don't even like uh, they'll be uh, most of the time working overtime or uh, end up working on weekends so how do a, a person balances that out ma'am any uh, any suggestions for that yeah so someone uh, that balance when you talk about balance i would say that's very difficult to achieve see none of us i would say have a balance but it comes to our working life and our family life because if we are able to strike that balance i think we've become buddhas all of us <laughs> because that balance it's very difficult to achieve see if you are a, a person who's achievement oriented and who is driven by performance you would definitely be a high performer at work and being a high performer at work would require you to be on your toes most of the times when many a times what happens is high performers they're never able to say no to work because that is what drives them that is what keeps them motivated so then definitely if you are too uh, you know committed towards your work somewhere or the other your personal life may be getting neglected but yes when you say balance it doesn't mean that if you are a high performer at work you cannot be a good performer at home as well so when you have those weekends when you have those holidays you make up for that lost time so you plan holiday with your family you plan a party at home or whenever you are back home you then switch off from your work and make sure that whatever time you have with your family that or for yourself it's not just about family but then for your personal self as well try and be attached with you know things that you love to do so let's say if i talk about my own self i'll just give my example so uh see we work 6 days a week right people at least um, in most of the corporates they at least work 5 days a week we work 6 days a week yes and in those 6 days you by the time you reach home you feel oh the entire day has gone but still you have few hours left in the day so i in order to give myself time i make sure that i am working out so i have a fixed schedule for my workout when i get back home i love gardening so i make sure that you know i take out time for my garden whether it is during the weekends or in whatever you know, ways possible i make sure that i plan holidays with my family we go out together whenever we have two to three days you know available with us we definitely make sure that we make out those plans or maybe in the evening sometimes stretching yourself inviting friends over for maybe coffee or drinks or something or maybe you go out and meet others so it's not that you can't maintain balance i would not say that 50 50 balance can be maintained but yes you prioritize things you make sure that if you have a deadline that deadline becomes your priority but let's say you don't have a deadline you make sure that you are giving yourself time and your personal life your family people you are giving them that time as well Certainly. so it's not that difficult yes it's not that difficult as an individual but yes some effort from the organization side may also you know help people so like for example these days uh, in fact i was just reading a newspaper article uh, i think yesterday's newspaper 
uh, economic times i was reading an article which talks about companies that offer time off to employees to help them switch on so basically uh, many organizations like microsoft kpmg goldman sachs uh, deloitte so they are giving employees additional leave in order to attend to themselves right so based on their need they may want to recharge and relax and in order to prevent burnout these companies are offering them additional time off right so extra half day off let's say on uh, they call it as recharge fridays so on a friday you can take an extra additional half day off right oh. or they have started yeah they have also yeah. started offering additional six days of well being leave it is called as well being leave so there are various concepts like long weekends pens down days wellness leaves and then a lot of flexible vacation policies so it's not that organizations don't understand they also understand that and now they have started offering those kinds of privileges to the um, employees but then the problem is how many of them are doing it right? yes so, yeah the actual yeah, numbers yeah. but then it's also uh, i mean i was not aware of these extra leaves that you just mentioned like wellness leaves and pen downs leaves so uh, i'm actually excited uh, just to just by knowing that organizations are, organizations are actually considering these factors and trying to help their employees employees get a work life balance and because what i believe ma'am is that uh, either way the either way like uh, if something goes wrong in uh, my workplace it will somehow probably uh, you know uh, roll out and impact my personal life as well my mood would not be happy or i'd be worried about that thing and in opposite way if something goes wrong at my house i would not be able to give my 100% at work that's what happens to me mostly and that's why i try to make sure that both places are uh, in 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 a certain level where uh, i'm doing good at both the places at work even at home so as 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 rightly you said that it's pretty difficult to maintain that but yes i'm glad that the organizations are giving effort and just like you mentioned that self effort is also needed like you do your hobbies like gardening or going out so that's an amazing uh, way of putting it and that's an amazing uh, you know thought process that i think everybody every one of us should have now ma'am yeah, yeah. um, moving on to the next uh, uh, question that i actually thought of asking was uh, uh, now uh, after covid things have like changed i mean uh, according to me uh, almost all the sides of the industries have impacted and and in certain organizations like each level of uh, each level of departments also got impacted and uh, one of the most toughest thing that probably the hr department encountered was work from home right because yeah. all of a sudden uh, the entire office or the every employee in uh, the organization uh, started working from home and uh, i'm pretty much sure the hr department was uh, you know uh, um, getting going through it and it had got same way uh, i mean it got impacted the same way the uh, every other department uh, got impacted so i was just wondering that uh, what was what are the couple of changes or what are the major uh, impacts that uh, uh, the hr department felt during this covid after the covid 19 uh, work, work from home situation now yeah so yes a very uh, valid question during these times uh, simon so as we know uh, when suddenly the pandemic happened none of us were prepared for that right especially uh, it industry probably had kind of that culture already uh, some of them were already giving that flexibility mm-hmm. to their employees to uh, work from home or remote working so that was already prevalent in it 
right? Because their work could allow them that flexibility. Yes. But then largely, various other organizations, like for example, our educational institutions, we could never think that we would take classes online. We could never think about that, right? Nor uh, could manufacturing setups or those companies like service uh, industry, they could Certainly. never think of working yes. remotely. Yeah. So, uh, yes, some of them were very ne- negatively impacted. So if you talk about the hotel industry, obviously they were very uh, badly impacted because for them, work couldn't happen remotely. Yet, there were a lot of, uh, you know, hotels, like, for example, the uh, big uh, hotel chains who thought that, okay, if, if our customers can't come to us, let's start delivering food, right? So the big chains couldn't ever think of uh, providing uh, food being delivered at home, but they then tied up with Zomato and such platforms and they thought, okay, let's make our food available to customers so that they can have it even at home. Yeah, so then... That is where the HR comes into picture, wherein they try to see that how can we make changes in our policies? How can we make changes in our practices so that this change that we are bringing about at our work, that becomes, you know, uh, the norm as for now. So that is what companies were doing uh, during the pandemic. And now it has become kind of a new normal, right? That is what is the buzzword these days, that it has now become a new normal because after having worked from home, the companies have also been able to reduce a lot of their cost, specifically the cost related with, you know, the electricity bills that they had to pay, the basic infrastructure which was being used, so the internet and all. So all those things have a cost involved to it. And organizations were able to save a lot of their money with their employees working from home. But then for the HR, the major concern was how do we ensure that our people are effectively engaged while they're working from home? How do we make sure that people are working to their fullest capacity? How do we evaluate their performance? How do we make sure that the managers are communicating well with the teams? How do we make sure that the teams are collaborating and communicating while they're working remotely? But if you see, everybody was successfully doing it, right? People were giving their 100%. In fact, I feel many a times people were working even beyond what was required. Exactly. They were more productive. Yeah. They were much more productive. I mean, they were giving them much more contribution rather than what they would have done at the workplace. Because if we specifically talk about places like Bangalore or let's say Mumbai or Delhi, wherein traveling consumes so much of your time and energy, that frustration wasn't there because you were at home, you were balancing your home and you were balancing your work. Sometimes it may have happened that, you know, you, your work may have got affected a little bit because you have a baby to take care of or you have, you know, um, household chores to be taken Mm. care of. Initially, those kinds of hiccups might have been there. But now people have very comfortably accepted that and they have comfortably set up their routines and set up their personal space accordingly so that they can work from home comfortably. Certainly. So it's not that. Uh, yeah. yeah, ma'am. Do you think that work from home culture is going to stay from here on now, or do you think that eventually, uh, you know, everybody has to go to either like their workplace? So, uh, Suman, if we talk about whether this is stay, so yes, this is here to stay. Work from home is here to stay. But then again, like I was talking about it earlier, there are certain kinds of organizations or setups wherein we cannot expect people to be working from home Mm -hmm. for a longer time period. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, if we talk about educational institutions, if every day your teacher is interacting with you online, somewhere that connect will not be there. Exactly. Start fiddling with your phone or get distracted, move around the house and not be listening. That cannot happen online, especially the service sector, service industry. They cannot work remotely. 
but for a lot of companies so when we talk about service it services yes they they still have a privilege of working remotely because a lot of their customers or the clients that they interact with they're present remotely a lot of it companies work for clients across the globe so in those scenarios they were anyway connected with them virtually so they can continue to connect with them while they're working from home it's just that HR has to do a lot more work with regards to how do we engage those people effectively? How do we make sure that they are working? Because one one biggest negative about work from home has been the concept of moonlighting. So a lot of people, while they are currently employed with one organization, they are also simultaneously working for others, right? Working for maybe a comp competitor organization or maybe working for a particular startup. And that is when they are not able to contribute 100% to their uh, actual jobs requirement. So if only those things could be prevented or if only those things could be, you know, kept a tab on or let's say you could have a control on that, work from home has its own benefits. But then as we say, every coin has two sides. So even work from home has a big negative that is you are not able to meet your people or your team. You're not able to socialize with them. A lot of interaction which could have happened personally, that opportunity is not there, right? Plus a lot of things, uh, you know, come out very well or you are much more effective when you are working as a team together, when you are meeting every day, when you discuss maybe during your, uh, you know, uh, lunch breaks or maybe during uh, meetings when you're sitting with each other, a lot of ideas are generated and a lot of new things come up when people get that chance to interact. But because of work from yes. home, that opportunity is somehow missing. Yes, ma'am. And uh, as, yes, ma'am, go ahead. Yeah. So as I just said, it has its own plus and minuses. It's just that how do you bring about that balance? That is what is important. Certainly, ma'am. And yes, you've rightfully said that it has both its positive and negative impacts. And depends on the person who is actually going through that, how he takes it. And uh, the fact about moonlighting, ma'am, uh, I have not heard about it. I will certainly look into it. Uh, in a much uh, uh, in-depth way and I knew that uh, you know in IT's people were doing this like they were working in uh, their organization plus they are doing some freelancing work as well just to make some extra you know bucks and a uh, quick gigs like that and I was aware about that but certainly I'll uh, look into this more and we can further further have a discussion on that um, now uh, coming back to the uh, final thing that I wanted to ask was since you are my HR teacher uh, would you mind sharing some, uh, you know, uh, tips to crack interviews or because, uh, because the HR rounds are for me, it's like always been very, very complicated to deal with. And, uh, I don't know if, uh, uh, the questions that the HR person asked me and what kind of answer, answer they're expecting. So ma'am, if you can just give us few uh, tips and tricks on cracking HR rounds, uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> sure, Zaman. So uh, I, if I tell you about how to crack an interview, I may tell you do this, do that, prepare for this kind of question, that kind of question. But then when you go to the interviewer, they may ask you absolutely different things. Yeah, exactly right, right now. Yes. So I cannot say that, yeah, these are certain set of questions. If you prepare for that, you will be good to go. But then before you go for an interview, it's important to first understand your own self. Now, many a times it happens is even in class, even while we're teaching, we tell students, you may write hundreds of you know, sentences about an XYZ person, maybe your favorite actor or your favorite cricketer. But when we ask you to write about yourself or talk about yourself, within just one or two lines, you will stop. So it's important to first introspect about yourself that, okay, who am I? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? 
how can I be an asset to the organization? So before you apply to a particular job or before you go for an interview, it's important that you first research about the organization. So doing your research, having an idea about this particular profile that you have uh, applied for are being interviewed for, that is a first thing that you must do. So do your own research, study about the organization. The interviewer must understand that this person is very serious about this role, about this particular position. So that can happen only when you have researched about the company as well as the role that you're applying for. And then there are a few other things which are very general or which are very common. So like, for example, it's important, like I just mentioned, it's important that you must know about yourself. So one basic thing to make you comfortable, the interviewer may ask is, okay, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your strengths. Tell me about your weaknesses. They may ask you certain personal questions wherein you talk about your family. So it's important that when you do that, you do it in a very well-structured manner so that that communicates to the interviewer that this person is, you know, very uh, informative. He or she knows how to present uh, the information in a very, uh, you know, proper way, in a chronological way. So talk about your family, about your life, how you have progressed in life. That should come out when you talk about yourself. Similarly, as I mentioned, you should know about your strengths so that the interviewer understands how you could be used, how you can could be of uh, use or an asset to the organization. If you have certain weaknesses, all of us have weaknesses. So don't say I don't have any weaknesses. If you have any weaknesses, talk about it genuinely. Be very honest. The most important thing about interviews is being honest. Many times what happens is we tell people, okay, prepare like this, prepare like that. And when you are over preparing, you somehow tend to lie about yourself as well. And that is where you get caught. So it's important that you are honest. You are very truthful to the interviewer. And then listen to the interviewer carefully. Understand what they want you to say. Just pause for a few seconds. Think about what is it that you're going to speak. And then only speak. They would not feel bad if you are pausing in between and thinking before you speak. It always makes sense to think about what you're going to talk and then talk about it. All right. Absolutely. And always be prepared and be ready for any personal questions that they may ask. Or, uh, you know, be very frank about what you have done. What are your likes? What are your dislikes? What do you do during your uh, free time? So just have certain things well uh, structured in your mind. Because when we sit in front of an interviewer, any person can zone out for a few seconds. That happens. <laughs> that is true. Man. That, that, I've experienced that. Yeah, that happens. Yes. But then be very confident. Yes. When you are confident about yourself, that's why I said, do a little bit of an introspection. When you have done a bit of an introspection, then you're very sure about what is it that you're going to talk about. All right. And even if you are, even if you're nervous, don't feel embarrassed. There is no harm in acknowledging or in being honest that yes, I'm feeling nervous because the interviewer also understands that and they would also want to make you uh, feel comfortable. All right. So just be very truthful, be honest, be enthusiastic, show them that enthusiasm that, you know, I'm really interested in this particular role. Right. Make sure that whatever way you talk about yourself, there is focus. It shows that you are a focused person. They shouldn't feel that you are just applying for the heck of it or just for a job. All right. Absolutely right, ma'am. And these are and some amazing questions. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, so, so that's it. Yeah, so these are some amazing points that you have given me. I'm 100% sure that I'm never going to forget these. And I'm going to try and apply these or have this mentality of being absolutely honest uh, to my uh, interviewers and try to answer uh, uh, by being just myself. 
thank you so much for the yeah. tips man ma'am and uh, i'm sure that anybody or every, anybody who is listening to this would also be uh, benefited by this and uh, with that ma'am we have come to a conclusion of the podcast thank you so much for recording with me any final thoughts or anything that you would like to say uh, before we uh, end this podcast yeah so uh, nothing much simon first of all i would like to thank you for uh, having me here to record with you this podcast so uh, it is very uh, you know entertaining for me as well to talk to you and uh, uh, to close this as i just mentioned some time back uh, organizational behavior is for everybody so it's important that we as individuals we as managers understand our people and understand the situations that make people behave in certain manners so if we understand that if we are more uh, you know open towards others i think we have a long way to go and i think we would be much more successful and rest just be true to your work to your uh, you know roles in the organization and there is a lot more that everybody has uh, to experience and to learn so as we go forward there is a lot of learning that happens automatically just being open to experiencing new things is what uh, definitely helps thank you so, so that much that is it simon and if yeah. there is anything else that we could discuss uh, we would definitely connect again and uh, certainly ma'am certainly ma'am yeah. and in future if i have any other uh, episodes coming up or any in, in, uh, any ideas with regards to organization and organization behavior i would certainly do one more with you, uh, one more uh, podcast with you and thank you once again for uh, agreeing to do this and uh, uh, that's all ma'am thank you so much have a good day thank you I'll, so much simon yeah Well that was it guys thank you so much for listening you can reach out to us by following us at instagram our handle is mentioned below you can also go ahead and follow us on spotify and subscribe to us on youtube that was it for today guys thank you so much bye bye